fun. That's what I want to convince you of today. Now, there's a caveat. You've got to be a Christian. If you're a Christian. You're a son. My family and I have lived here long enough to know about peck things, enough to think we maybe should have a stall someday. And this has gotten under my hood enough that I'm kind of playing with the idea, you know. And, uh, uh, of course, that would mean I'd have to start a company or something, right? I can't just, just pretend to have a stall at Peck thing. It's got to be a thing forever, right? So I was thinking about that, and, and I came up with a name that I thought would be really good for my story. Uh, boxes and Bags is my name, but you don't want to do business as Boxes and Bags. That's too easy. So i got to have a name for my LLC. And my LLC, I said, oh, it's going to be McAdam and Sons. I, I said that in our living room. And, you know, I got one, right? And there's some other people probably in that living room, right? right? And, and one of them goes, you mean son? And I said, no, I mean sons. Because in Jesus Christ, you are all heirs of the kingdom and sons according to the promise. And so in my company, I treat all the women as if they are people too. Now, we're going to look at Galatians here. In a moment, he's going to say there's neither female nor male. So don't take what I just said and do what the crazy people, the clown world, is doing right now with it, which is pretending that there's no natural law, that there's no order that we all can observe just by walking around and paying attention. And it's so obvious that every culture in the world, like as soon as a baby is born, they say it's a this or a that. I mean, it's just that obvious, right? But the world wants to say there is neither male nor female. And look, St. Paul just said it there in Galatians, didn't he now? So we want to understand what Paul is talking about. We want, to understand, uh, we want to understand the value of the Christian mind and spirit that has set free woman from the chains of slavery that has held her for generation upon generation. That ladies, you are lifted and lofty in the eyes of the church. You are the image of the church. But the moment you let that convince you that being a son of God in Christ means you should act like a man while you're still here, it tears everything apart. Marriages, families, homes, and children's lives, first and most of all. And of course, that's what we're seeing happen. The, can I say, damnable traumatization of a generation of children with castration thrown in for fun? What a thing. What happened? I was staring at uh, our lake this morning. I love our little tiny man-made lake. It's so American. We, we built it and now it's like muddy on the bottom because we didn't think it through. <sighs> but I love my lake. I stare at it every day. And I, there's a, a neighbor I have, you know, he goes to a church somewhere. Um, I'm pretty confident. And he's got one of the biggest American flags I've ever seen in someone's backyard. And it's off the lake right there. So it's at my window. I got this lake with an island and I got this ugh, old glory sitting right there. And I was sitting there this morning looking at Old Glory, thinking about how, can you bear with me? It is Christmas. Um, Tucker Carlson just interviewed Kevin Spacey, the pedophile, throwing his hat into the presidential. I'm staring out at the water and thinking, what on earth is going on to my planet? Dear Jesus, what of my country and my flag? And you know what flew over? Meredith, you're going to have to testify. Just say it. What flew overhead? Couldn't believe it. I don't believe in omens. I think omens are from the devil. If you find an omen, don't pay attention. That was not an omen. 
That was Jesus just saying, Jonathan, shut up. Stop being so afraid. Stop thinking of all the things that are so lofty and above you. And I'll tell you, in your marriage, every single conflict is that. When Jesus says we're now sons, he doesn't mean go crazy and wreck everything. He means you're going to inherit the farm. And if we go back to that Micah text, it's quite a farm. We're not going to get to the Micah text today. It's quite a farm. Read that thing again this week. That's your promise right there. But in Galatians, what I want to convince you of is that you're all inheritors of this. And what Paul means then is that you don't have to have your husband to believe for you to believe. You don't have your parents believe for you to believe. You don't have to have your wife believe for you to believe. And when it comes to the day of judgment, each of us is individually separated out in God's sight as blessed, beautiful, good, and desirable. Man and woman alike in our broken fall, both of which need to be remedied by a resurrection. But he said that's coming and therefore he calls you a son. You're more than an angel now. The idea that you die and become an angel is like a step down from Christianity's promises. Again, I'm I'm trying to drive the point home before we look at the text. The text is going to make its arguments. The writings of St. Paul are the writings of a legal mind debating philosophy at the highest level in an age that was addicted to philosophy the way we're addicted to TikTok. You can long for such times, really, although they were just as barbaric in their own ways. He's writing, though, to intellectual people. He expects your head to get involved. If you check out, then you're checking out, right? But if you stick in and you, and you say, okay, like, I'm not an intellectual, that's fine. You don't have to understand it all to believe the pieces that shine through. But that still takes sticking through the tunnel, right? Got to pay attention long enough. And again, that's what those little note cards and pens in the pew are for, is if you get something that shines through, write it down. There's another little debate in my house about how to take notes in church. Do you write down everything Pastor Fisk says? I pray for your soul, you know? God, you're trying, man, you know? No, write down like three things. The things that are the most potent. There's gotta be a couple that I say because they're in the Bible. Take it home with you. How about today, one of them be, I am a son of God in Christ. If you don't write it down, put it in your head. All right, Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 is where we're starting. It's all in your bulletin today. I like to make you take out your pew Bibles here. The ESV is the text in the pew Bible. So if you'd like to continue comparing the ESV to the New King James, take out a pew Bible. Because I'll work from the New King James, and you'll get both sides, and you'll gradually see. Did you notice last night we had Matthew 1 in ESV, and this morning it was in King James, New King James? Anybody notice? Ah, what do you think? Do you feel the difference? What do you like better? Don't know. On the spot. On the spot. I loved the way King James talked about the taxation issue. Um, you know, a registration doesn't make any sense to me. Right? Um, but taxation does. So uh, there's things like that that jump out to me. In any case, thank you for being put on the spot. Um, all right, Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, where he says what I've been saying and trying to drive home is the main point, right? You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. 
It's a fact, it's a statement, it's a definition, and he's going to say it's because you're baptized. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That's one of those spots your Baptist friends are just going to hiccup at. They just don't, they just don't know what to do with that verse. It's one of those spots that we also put way too much credit on when we talk about baptism as Lutherans. Because when we talk about baptism, we forget about the repentance and the new life and the struggle and the spirit that goes with it. That we're not born into licentiousness and lackadaisicalness and doing whatever we feel like doing, but that we're born into a sojourn and a battle and a war against a demon who's trying to take over the planet to destroy children and lives and all sorts of things. Baptism is the call into that. And to put that on your son, your baby son, that's a serious mark. To not put that on your son and say, oh, let him choose for himself. That's stupidity. Yeah. That's stupidity, if you understand the devil of wit. As many of you as are baptized are in Jesus. So that's the point here is like when the church was out there just baptizing everybody and doing a really bad job of teaching everybody, we still had everybody baptized. And so the demons in certain ways just couldn't get to you. And now we've got like 40 years plus of no baptisms in a lot of corners. And now who knows about immigration? I don't know what they're checking. Are you baptized? Probably not a question. Yeah. So we're going to be surrounded by spirits that have no wards against them. And that's a magical way of talking. I don't think baptism's a ward. But for human thinking, I mean, it's better than that, really. The ward's like the weak shadow demon version of it. What baptism is, is an anointing of regeneration of your entire humanity by indwelling by the Holy Spirit of Almighty God in the name of Jesus Christ. And as many of you have put on that, you're sons of God now. And yeah, a little water in word goes by pretty fast. But if you ponder what it means to be disciplined in Jesus' name, if the scriptures are part of your life, it doesn't go by fast at all. It's a long walk we're on. A very long walk. You are baptized. You have put on Christ. That's the text. Uh, verse 28, here's there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Um, it's the same guy who wrote 1 Corinthians 11 that's leading some people to suggest that women should wear head coverings or else we're not really Christians. And go look it up. It's right there. Uh, it says you shouldn't have long hair either if you're a man. And so I'd be happy to have a conversation with anyone about that sometime. But the point being that if Paul is suggesting here that there is neither male nor female in the way that most people would use this, then, then Paul doesn't exist, and we're playing with a wax nose. Paul's a real guy. He has real ideas, and he wrote them all down, and they hang together. He's not a, what, a fractured human with multiple personalities or some nonsense. He knows what he's talking about. And in this letter, in which he's talking to people who are trying to convince other Greek men who are just wanting to become Christian to cut off part of their, you know, right? He's trying to convince them to stop doing that to other people. And so he says, look, that part doesn't matter when it comes to baptism. Do you see the connection? We moved from circumcision to baptism. There's a whole text in Colossians about that too. Why? Because God hates women and wants them all to be like men now? That's what the feminists tell you. It's nonsense. God loves you for who you are. And he wants to make you more of who he made you to be. 
And so to inherit the new world of the life of the world to come for you, ladies, means a glory that I can't imagine till I get to see you receive it. And when you do, I will rejoice that I will never have it. I will never be a woman in paradise. I'll be a man forever and you'll be a woman forever. What does that mean? Is there marriage? Doesn't look like it. How's this going to happen? I don't know. Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't mean we abandon nature here where he said the two shall become one flesh. And where the procreation of children is the natural order by which all things go on. When Jesus says, what's going to be left when he comes back? And the disciples are like, any sign, any sign. He's like, marriages. That was his sign of the end of the world. Marriages. People be getting married. Yeah. It's, it's so important. And it's been so stolen from us. That's a different topic. Back to the text then. Neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, just as important. Especially in a time when, what's a Jew? Again, what's a Jew? It's a good question to ask. The Bible talks about Jews, and so we have to kind of know what they are, what they were, what is a Jew. Um, and in this context, the whole point of it being a Jew is that he's a Jew and he's not something, right? It was the opposite of Jew. And I don't think most people, if you've, if you've never read the Bible, you're not going to say, what's the opposite of the Jew? Oh, a Greek, right? Like, no one's going to say that, right? And it, maybe if you grew up in a King James home, you might say like the Gentiles or something like that, right? Um, but the idea for both that word Greek and Gentile is that it's anyone who's not a Jew is not a Jew. It's just anyone who's not a Jew is, is the other thing, right? And, and if that sounds like racism, it's because racism is normal in history and everyone does it and everyone's kind of still doing it. It's frustrating. I agree. I don't like it because I, I kind of was raised in a country that said, let's get over it a little bit. And I'm part of a religion that says there is neither Jew nor Greek. So when someone walks in that door out, out there, it doesn't matter what they look like, where they've come from, what they've done, who they are, what they can do. All that matters is the word of God is going to hit you. And the spirit of God is going to do stuff to you. And then I look forward to seeing what that is. And that can be amazing. He will build you. Or he will let you tear yourself down. Those things both happen. But believing in your sonship is to believe he will build you. To believe it. And to work on that. And then to know that that promise is for the women and the men. So women, go build as women. Because there are women. And men, go build as men. Because there are men. And you know, if you speak Greek, don't learn Hebrew just to go be a Christian. Right? That's not how it is. Be who you are and redeem it as a Christian. And then see how everyone is on parity in God's sight. The justice is a flat line across the board in which nobody was good enough. Except him, Jesus Christ. He was good enough. And now again, he has chosen you. That's what baptism is. And you can say, well, I had to submit myself to baptism. Great, he still chose you. It doesn't matter. Any way you're baptized, you're in the kingdom. Jesus chose you. He anointed you. He called you. You're a son again. And if you are Christ, then you're Abraham's seed, it says, verse 29, and heirs according to the promise. So this ties this to that Micah text from before about how the promises to the Old Testament people of God did not go away when Jesus rose from the dead. They were transferred to the Holy Christian Church. So we can believe very firmly that the Holy Christian Church will not perish until Jesus Christ returns. We can believe with utter firmness that a remnant of the faithful will always arise whenever there is a collapse of anything. Christians will bind together, get stronger, there'll be more of us, and we'll build again. 
That's a promise to us as a people. It's not a promise that you individually will get exactly what you want out of your life if you're really hard, stubborn, and focused about it and you never listen to anyone. It doesn't promise that. You don't just always have things work out. But it does promise us to be set apart as more than conquerors through him who loved us in the midst of a dying and decaying age. That's the promise to Abraham's seed that you see in the kingdoms as you watch them go up and down and up and down. They never quite make it. And even when they're gone, they come back. And look, the Jews, whoever they are, are still here as a sign of the physical promise of Abraham's circumcision. And you can even go so far as to co-spiracy circumcision on Western society. Go look up the insanity if you want. Stay home. Enjoy your turkey. Way better. But again, the fact is, the fact is the promises are transferred to us now. And it doesn't matter what your blood is. No Jew is cut out because of his blood. The only person who would be a Jew who would not be savable by Jesus is the Jew who defines his Judaism as rejecting Jesus. And then if that's your definition of Judaism, indeed, that's a bad thing, I'd say. I don't know, again, what is a Jew? I like, I asked that question. This is a, not a Merry Christmas kind of topic, but I asked that question of one of the smartest men I know recently. I said, what is a Jew? And he said, a Jew is one who is one inwardly. That's a quote from the Bible. You know that? Yeah. And you know what you, that means? That means you're a Jew. Paul, in one argument, and I think it's the book of Romans, makes the argument that every Christian is the actual Jews. We're the Jews. There are no other Jews but Christians. Do you see how, again, a wax nose on a word doesn't help us much? Far better to know who is in Jesus Christ and who is not. That's more clear again. There is neither Greek nor Jew anymore. There are those who confess Christ. There is neither male nor female. Not one is better than the other. We are bound together in marriage. Who confesses Christ? And there are those who have great amounts of wealth and those who don't. Who confesses Christ? I'll give you one last Fisk story for the morning, at least. Have you ever been threatened with money if you don't do it a certain way? Have you? Now imagine being a pastor. And I'll say, yes, I have. Yes, I have. And I'll say it's a very, very difficult moment. When that... Christian member of the congregation says, well, we'll leave. And you understand. And you say, I understand. There is neither slave nor free in the church. All the cattle belong to Jesus. And if anybody thinks they're going to do anything to like topple his kingdom, I really, they got another thing coming. Now, Here's verse 1 of chapter 4 is where Paul gets a little wiggly. It's the legal stuff, right? Now I say that the heir, legally, as long as he is a child, right, under age, minor, whatever that means, this is all about inheritance rights and rituals or law in the old world, uh, does not differ at all from a slave. And, and there's something here to this, right? That um, if, you, if a child is given lots and lots of money, no one puts that child in charge of all that money. And the child's still treated like a child. And how do you treat a child? Well, you tell them what to do, <laughs> right? So there's no real freedom for the child, even though, the next line, he is master of all, right? He owns everything officially on paper, but he's not free at all, which is, by the way, how riches often do work. So be careful what you pray for. Uh, but he's under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father, right? The father's dead. The steward takes over, raises the son, and then gives the son all the money at the right time. And the son conquers the world or something like that. Even so, though, here's the point. This applies to us. 
Even so, when we were children, were under the bondage of the elements. I read that wrong again. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Right. So he compares the non-Christian to a child who has an inheritance they have not come into. You see that? Huh? And he says, so were we, and that that's a form of bondage. And the bondage is to this world. It's thoughts, it's songs, it's entertainments, it's wars, all of it, to care about this world, the bondage, right? But verse four, when the fullness of time had come, as in when God was ready to really do it for all, God sent forth his son, Jesus, born of woman, there's your Christmas time, born under the law, that's the legal code, right? Born as a Jew, a Jew of Jews, a son of David, of the house of Bethlehem and in the city for registration. Yes, what a thing. According to the law, he is born. That's all the prophecies fulfilled to redeem those who were under the law. That's us that we might receive the adoption as sons. So you're a son, but see how you're an adopted son. This is not the idea that all mankind is under the sonship of God or, or something like that, right? That, that all mankind, we are brothers. The only way that is true is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And for any who rejects that, while we would still want to treat them like a brother, the fact is they're not. They're more like a zombie. They're like a zombie waiting for the antidote. Can I say vaccine on YouTube? I don't know. They're waiting for the antidotes to make them not zombies anymore. And that antidote is Jesus. 100%, all the way, only the Christ, the King, alive and confessed by name. And of course, baptism is when we confess that name and just wash it with it. Yeah. So because, verse 6, you are sons. God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts. And this is it. So the son of God, Jesus, is the incarnate almighty God, second person of the Trinity. And because that means you are now his sons, you get to be, let's not say incarnated yet. Let's just say inhabited for now. But like, it's a distinction without a meaning. The Holy Spirit, who is the third person of God, lives inside of you now forever. Differently than in Jesus, because Jesus is Jesus. But because of Jesus now, you belong you're inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. In any moment, in any time, you can sit there and say, I feel horrible, and you can ask, where is the Holy Spirit? And you'll probably not feel much more, but you'll be like, wow, that's a different thought. The, the Holy Spirit's with me in the midst of all of this darkness? Yes. Yes. So what happens if you call out Abba Father, according to that spirit? Next. Yeah. And of course, we pray our Father who art in heaven every single week so that you'll memorize it. So that when you have Alzheimer's, if you ever do, it'll be the last thing you ever forget. And that's not a tall tale. So we prayed and we prayed and we prayed because it wakes people up. I can tell you another story about a man who I didn't know who had a stroke. And he was left in the hospital in North Dakota, which happened to be in the little town I lived in. And I went to see him. He's from a different parish, town over. I went to see him anyway. And I was told he was already pretty much brain dead. He was able to sit in a chair, though, and he opened his eyes. And I began to talk to him. And I asked him if he'd like the liturgy and the supper. And he said yes. So I began. And he became very, very lucid. He participated in the service. I blessed him and I went on my way. I was told for several hours later he was lucid. He died within two days, brain dead. But it all came back and his family said goodbye. 
our father every week in church. There's a reason we do it repeatedly. Whatever you've been sold in the past, I get it. I like to sing pretty too, right? But how do we do it all so that we hold it? Our Father. The point of that, though, is not go home and repeat our Father over and over again. No, the point here is that God, the big one, the scary one, that's your Father. Your actual, now forever adopted Father. And the Holy Spirit inside of you proves this by you believing it. And I'll confess one of the hardest things I believe. I don't believe it most mornings. (laughs) I work at it a bit and it comes back and I feel it, yeah? When if I connect believing to feeling. I wake up and I stumble my way through my flesh and then I remember my baptism. I remember my name and I hear again the word of God, right? And I'm woken once more to fight back. So there is no arriving in which you are done until you lay down your burden in the final rest, yeah? But there is a battle that is absolutely worth it every day. And I suggest to you that once you find it, it's a joy because it's the battle for peace and love. It puts a cap on all the stuff the bad people far away are doing because they can't do too much to topple the king. They just can't do it. He's letting it happen for a reason. And the text is always very clear so that they will topple themselves and we will then rise as the meek who inherit the earth. So what does that mean? It means Merry Christmas. Ah. Merry Christmas. Jesus is so in charge that whatever else is going to happen tomorrow or the next day, you can do nothing the rest of today but enjoy your family and your friends, not check an email, not think about the plans, not do any other thing, and it's all going to be in his hands with their scars for your good tomorrow. In the name of Jesus. Amen.